This is Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Here's Johnny. Oh, wait, what do you want? You want? Hey, motherfucker. You never go ask them out. Now what is so damn funny? And here we go. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Force will be with you. Always. But the truth! You can't handle the truth! What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the For Real Movie Club podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host for this edition, Tony Mango. Chris, the Ace Man Dace, has no voice, so uh, unfortunately we're missing out on him for this uh, month's edition, but Dace will be back for the next bunch, as usual, and he sends his warm regards. Although I am joined with two of my fellow teammates for the podcast, uh, we've got Caroline Oliveira. Hello. And Eddie Sequeira. Ow! So <laughs> what we are going to do for this month is the typical January side of things, thriller movies. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't quite get the connection behind it, uh, but... You suggested it, Caroline, and eh, it works. Why not? Uh, better than doing New Year's movies, right? Oh, my God, yes. That's, like, depressing. Yeah. We would do New Year's Eve, and I would get all mad at watching that movie for personal reasons. And then uh, that would be it. But I wouldn't want to do the other ones. <laughs> Thrillers make sense. You start off the new year, you've got a whole bunch of resolutions, and then you kill them after two weeks because then you realize you don't really want to go through with all that effort of exercising and stuff. So. Well, the problem, Anthony, is that people try to do everything at once, you know, and you really have to kind of uh, take it one step at a time. For example, if you want to quit smoking, you know, that's the only one you should do. You shouldn't try to quit smoking and lose weight and take up a particular hobby because that's just going to eat you up. Very much that's so. What I heard in some, that's what I heard in some talk show. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't believe in resolutions at all. No, definitely not. Yeah, no, me neither. So the four movies that we're going to be doing for this edition, and we're going to be breaking them up into different videos on YouTube if you're watching it there. If you're listening to this on iTunes and Stitcher, then, hey, all the work's done for you, and they're all going to be in one big podcast, and you don't have to do anything. So, awesome. Uh, bad news for future Tony. You have to editing it, but it's good news for you guys. We are going to be doing Misery from 1990 in part one. Part two, we're going to do Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Uh, 2000's Memento is going to be in part 3 and finally we're going to end off with the 2003 version of Old Boy the best version I would assume so uh, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get more into that a little bit later on in part 4 but we are in part 1 right now which means that we are going to talk about Misery so give us a little bit of breakdown of Misery the movie Caroline all right, well, like Tony said, Misery was released in 1990, and it's based on a Stephen King novel. Um, and this novel is awesome. If you guys haven't read it, you should. Actually, one of the characters in the novel in the movie um, is one of Stephen's favorite characters ever. Um, so that says a lot. Uh, with that said, it's not... Um, like, if you've seen The Shining, if you think, like, that's all Stephen King is about, this is 
I guess there's some similarities to The Shining, but Misery is mainly about uh, this novelist who is really famous for creating this uh, book series that is like really romantic and just very dramatic, the kind of stuff that you see like in you know the pharmacies and they have like Fabio <laughs> on the cover, like kind of <laughs> like that. Um, and this novelist's name is Paul Sheldon, and he actually goes to this little town. Uh, because he goes there every time he wants to write a book and he's tired of writing those stupid novels and he wants to write something a little deeper. But he ended up um, suffer, suffering a car accident during a snowstorm and he's rescued by uh, Annie Wilkes who believes she's his number one fan. She's obsessed with the dramatic novels. Um, and everything seems fine, but... Their, their relationship starts getting very complicated once she reads the final book and realizes that is the last book he's ever going to write because he kills his the main character, the character that she loves. And she kind of goes psycho. She's like not a very like she's not really stable to start off with. And that just like drives her to the edge. And he becomes a quest for Paul Sheldon to survive while he has broken legs and he's in this very isolated cabin with Annie. So it's an awesome, 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 awesome book. Awesome movie. Um, Kathy Bates is in it. She's amazing. Uh, she was so good in the world that Stephen King actually wrote um, characters for her in other books of his and other film adaptations. And um, James Caan is the main writer. So it's awesome. I love that movie so it's just I think it's so romantic. Oh my god. <laughs> I can hear your smile. <laughs> you think it's romantic? I do because it's it's about uh, devotion and you loving a writer so much that you would feel better to just make sure he never leaves your home no matter what <laughs> it takes. And just have him forever. Like, if I saw Stephen King, like, I would totally do that. On your gaming, yes. Like, I would trap them and I would, like, do everything any does to them. To <laughs> make sure they never leave. Why it's do I feel beautiful. like this podcast is going to be used in court someday? <laughs> <laughs> Evidence court against you. Oh, what's new? <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned that um, the Annie Wilkes character was so well received i mean that ended up winning um kathy bates the academy award for best actress in 1990 yeah. uh, well deserved she, too because I think she, she was like it. the yeah she was the first uh woman to win an oscar for best actress in a horror thriller movie so that's like pretty badass yeah she's amazing in that movie like she's completely convincing and she wasn't, I mean, I, I mean, she, she's an amazing actress as it is, but I don't think she was well-established as it is, she is right now. Uh, but she, yeah, she literally kills it with a hammer in that movie. <laughs> well, she only kills one thing with uh, a shotgun, right? <laughs> oh, well, we don't know what she did with the babies and stuff. <laughs> uh, true. And actually, that bit, apparently it's, like, based on the true event of this crazy nurse uh, that would kill babies. Because she wanted to so romantic. their souls. Yeah, I was like, oh, she just didn't want to be alone. And she has a pet pig in the movie. Like, how cool is that? Like, if you don't want to, like, watch a thriller, just watch it for the pet pig. She's really cute. 
So, first impressions of the movie, obviously Caroline loves it. What about you, Eddie? This movie depressed me so bad. and got me so pissed <laughs> off. They put you in a state of misery? My girlfriend... Huh? <laughs> oh, I swear to God. Uh. My girlfriend texted me while I was watching it. And I answered back in a, in a rude kind of fashion. And, uh, I mean, that's how, that's how pissed off I got. Um, but why? <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's claustrophobic. It's lonely. It's uh, it makes you feel. Nothing made me feel more alone than watching that movie. I mean, because you have the two constant characters all the time, mm-hmm. and the only outside world is this little village, not even town. Yeah, yeah. And and New York City is so far away. It's like, oh God, I crave that big city and all the people and the police that might actually work i'm not even sure and stuff like that you know it's like uh, and here you're like in the woods with the uh i don't normally want to cause anyone harm or anything but you kind of you can't help it you know right you, kinda, you want pain to be inflicted on her oh that is me doesn't no, that speak it's to a... how good the movie is though yeah, if it makes exactly. you feel like yeah. here's the thing here's the here's the thing yes yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, if a movie makes you feel it's done its job, right? Yeah. But it doesn't mean I still hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It. I'm sure. You know, I think the production was all right. Some things you can tell that are kind of outdated. I mean, if you, look, I mean, we're talking about 1990, and it, you're still like you're on the last generation of movies before CG started to take over, and I think it. It brought up what I loved about it was like it brought simplicity back. It reminded me of that simple time where it was all about dialogue and performance, and it was not about like the constant camera angles and the constant, you know, uh, we'll get this cool sun flare shot of the. No, none of that. It's very raw. You know, it's very. It's, it's theatric. Yeah. So I like that about it a lot. Um, no cell phones. No. No gadgets, no, just a, a writer and his typewriter. Mm-hmm. You know, those old cars and the, you know, the old, man, there was that part where Kathy Bates was watching TV. It's like every, everybody on TV has a, has a, has a mullet. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, God, that depressed me also. <laughs> that depressed me a lot. I'm Mullets serious, are kind of like, depressing. Yeah. So, uh, but aside from that, um, you can tell, yeah. You can tell the legs were. You got. I mean, I, I give it a. I kind of look the other way because it's 1990. The legs look kind of fake when he's out. He first falls out of the bed. So on the casting side of things, um, let's start with you, Caroline. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Kathy Bates. I mean, we already threw it out there that she won the Academy Award and everything. Um, I don't I don't think anybody has anything bad they could say about her in it. Uh, what do you think about James Caan playing Paul Sheldon? Does it give you the idea that he actually could be a critically acclaimed writer or somebody in his position? Or is he... I mean, one of the notes that I had written down when I was watching this was, this is a pretty easy acting job for James Caan in most scenes because he's just kind of laying there. And uh, Do you really think so? I feel like when an actor doesn't have their bodies to distract you from like the raw emotions i think that's harder i mean i don't i mean i don't know 
I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, I watch a movie and I can, I, I, I'm like, okay, that person convinced me. That person, I, like, I'm not an actor, obviously. I have no idea about acting. But I liked him in that movie. I felt that he was just, I could totally buy that he was this guy who ended up getting really famous for something that he's not really proud of. And he's trying to be like that deep, artsy uh, writer now. And he's just stuck in there. And he's kind of presumptuous, but at the same time, in a very soft way. I liked him in that movie. I mean, I, I, uh, the role was actually um, first offered to Jack Nicholson. Um, and he turned down the role because he's like, well, I already did The Shining. I don't want to like get into another Stephen King movie right now. Plus, he would I, definitely be crazier. Like. Oh, right. Like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like just his face. Like, I, 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 I ugh. I don't know. Like I like him a lot, but I don't think he would have done a good job like James did. I just love that movie. Like I am very biased when it comes to this movie. I'm, I'm having sorry. flashbacks to that scene in I think it was about Schmidt where he's in with the hot tub with Kathy Bates. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. It, is, it wouldn't have been the same movie, Misery. With right. Jack Nicholson in there. <laughs> oh. What do you think about the the casting, Eddie? It didn't. Uh, I got nothing negative out of it, so it, that means it's definitely uh, done its job. Uh, Kathy Bates, I thought, you know, when it, when it, when it, her character first entered the movie, I thought, oh yeah, no big deal. Like uh, I knew this was the movie that made her career or so, but I never really, I didn't understand why until I saw the. Her rage. Yeah. Her anger was like, oh my god, it's like my mom is angry at me. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, that was that was real. That wasn't. I don't know. It felt legitimate. Yeah. Maybe you know why? Because Kathy Bates is not your average ma- Hollywood mannequin. You know, your Hollywood doll. Oh you know, no. She's, she's not the cheerleader that's always nice and yelling, and then when she has. To, she has to let, let that rage fly, you know. It's like, oh, you know, like, go to hell, you know. Nope. Mr. Man. She's pissed off. Mr. She Man. She has to rage, you know. It's like, yeah, like, she has, she's a real deal, right? She's a, a real. She really is. Real hell, just, to use a 1990s term. Just waking up and seeing her face would be horrifying enough. That's mean. And then you see her in their, in their happy, you know, her happy moments where uh, she's like, yep. Uh, misery is back and she's gonna marry the, she's royalty and she's like oh I knew it I knew it yes everything's so beautiful like ah I get it now yeah and you know it was uh, funny that you mentioned that she's like nah you're a Hollywood cheerleader I was just reading something that um, they wanted to turn misery into a, a Broadway play and they they were tapping Julia Roberts to play Annie <laughs> And Stephen King was like, uh, okay, Annie needs to be someone that can take down a guy, yeah. not a Hollywood pixie. Like, I, that was like, if that happened, can you guys imagine that? Really? Like, pretty women trying to be Annie? Like, that would have been so bad. 
If I woke up in bed after getting into an accident and I saw Julia Roberts from 1990 there, I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I died. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, are you joining me in this awesome bed scenario? (laughs) I wake up and I see Kathy Bates and I'm like in hell instead. (laughs) No, for real. Totally. Well, for her character, not just, uh, you know, her appearance and stuff like that, but (laughs) that type of person. I mean, she, she nails it. She is the quintessential, uh, kind of not like a homebody kind of person or whatever but like the depressing person that you see picking up these kind of books at target like uh where they they watch oprah all day and they love (laughs) ellen because ellen is so quirky like that kind of a (laughs) it's you know it's horrible to like be around those kind of people so i'd be shouting at the top of my lungs afraid if i was james con in this movie (laughs) Before she even started acting crazy and started saying things like she was going to put on the Liberace records or like, uh, you know, before she brings that pig into the scene, like I would have been terrified immediately just hearing her talking about this. I'm like, dude, that pig is going to bring an infection. <laughs> oh, that is, pigs are really clean. <laughs> I don't care much. Um, so I just clean. want to say. You're supposed to clean list. Everybody out there that wants to bully Tony now and <laughs> tell him to fuck off and die, you just you just Join the club. all that he just said. No, just like type down like you're gonna wake up to Kefi Bates <laughs> reading books from Target, watching Alan and Oprah the whole day, and you're gonna be stuck there. You're not gonna be able to move. Because that's about to... this now. <laughs> it's a scarier thought than half the things that happen in these movies <laughs> uh so another topic that we can talk about um we talk about this in every movie that we talk about on here sometimes it's something that's a huge part of it sometimes it isn't and, and this one i would say it's probably one on the lesser side of things but the music of the film oh. does that stand out to you guys positively or negatively anybody want to tag in here and talk about whatever yeah i mean i think i'm biased so just bear with me but I love it. Like, I just feel like it's the right amount of... (sighs) Okay, the music one... If I just hear the music from that movie, it just brings that idea of solitude. You know? it's it, And that, to me, is just... uh, Like, a lot of horror movies use solitude. That's scary. Of you just being stuck in a place where you can't reach for help. And in this case, you're with somebody who... um, not only is it control because you can't really move, but hold the key to your freedom and it's not right in the head. So it's just, it's the right, it's not like super frightening like you would see on a, a Friday the 13th movie, you know, that little like, like that's like freaky, but it's still really beautifully made and it's, it's so pretty and it's so eerie. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's eerie. Well, Eddie, you're our resident uh, musician here. What did you think about the music? Yeah, it totally did its job. Um, you're looking at a period where stuff like happened a lot. Happened a lot throughout the 70s, 80s. And you were 
you're still not quite in that in a period where Hans Zimmer kind of stuff started happening in every single movie now. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes it lacks in production and sometimes it's a little underplayed and it could be a little more vibrant. Um, I don't recall any particularly interesting compositions. I, uh, it's, it's there, you know, I think the silence is a lot more important. You know, the, uh, the silence adds to that solitude and, um, it adds to, um, to the suspense of, you know, is, is, uh, is, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Catherine? Kathy. Kathy Bates? Kathy. No, no, the, the, yeah, well, Kathy Bates, well, what's her character? Oh, oh Annie. 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 Is Annie going to lose it? You know, is she going to burst now? And then you're waiting for her to say something, and it's like, yeah. Nothing. And it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? It's like, <laughs> and then when she explodes, yeah, the, the first time she explodes, yeah, there's that music. And then uh, when she's happy, it's just, oh. <laughs> it's, it does its job. It's just, I don't, I don't, uh, I won't bring in particular attention to it. So opening up to this just general discussion, some of your favorite scenes, least favorite scenes, uh, different things you thought were funny or scary or anything else that stands out to you kind of guys. One note that I had written down that I thought was really just a, a, an odd bit of funniness in it was when she she says, what's that ceiling Vidago painted? I'm like, Jesus God. <laughs> I, I didn't get that. What the hell is that? Who's Dago? <laughs> She's talking about the, uh, the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, but yeah. who the hell is that? Yeah, who's Dago? Yeah, uh, I thought that that was funny. Um, I thought that, unfortunately though, and I don't know if I, I would say that I, I like it breaking up different parts of the movie or if it takes me out of it, but I sort of thought that the cop and his wife were a little bit too silly. I you really it, thought? I thought they were so that's, sweet. Oh, uh, that's such a Stephen King thing to do. It's like there's always yeah. like some sort of like underlying. It's like a relief to backstory. Yeah. yeah, like it works as some levity to to kind of lighten up the tension a little bit, but at the same time, a lot of the times I feel like I'm really getting into the, you know, the psychological torment of the whole thing, and then it's like, oh, let's laugh at this guy, and I'm like, right. wow, crap, like you know, maybe better editing or something like that would have made it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I feel that, uh, the one thing I do have to say about them is that even like to me, it broke some of that idea of like, oh, small town cops are silly and like not silly because he's silly, but are not that experienced. You know, he's never going to catch on to something that is happening. And he's like the only authority figure in the, in the movie that really feels like something's off and he has that idea of actually going and reading the novels kind of like he's a little like fbi agent and i thought that, that was cool <laughs> because it, it broke that idea of like oh he's just gonna be a dumbass that is just gonna be there for laughs or you know to calm calm like everybody's hearts a little bit every now and then but i i like i actually felt Spoiler alert, I felt bad when he died. I was like, no! Yeah. I was kind of disappointed that he died, because I was just like, well, that sucks. Like, yeah. you know, I would have rather have him stumble upon it after uh, Paul Sheldon saves the day for himself, and then he just kind of shows up and goes like, oh, shit, all this happened? Like, Yeah. 
I got disappointed when he got shot because <laughs> now his uh, wife's gonna be all alone and everything. She's like, be that's all depressing. Alone. Yeah. Aww. That death yeah, serves and... her right for being so manipulating. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that death and actually Annie's death. Um, I would have tweaked some things. I, I liked it better when she fell on top of the typewriter. I don't think that the pig statue was a great way to end it. But didn't you think it was really cool that she died the way she really wanted to die, which was like in his arms? Yeah, on top of him. That was that was good. Yeah. I like that. What are some of the things you guys liked or didn't like or whatever about the movie? Well, I am a sucker for torture scenes. And that one scene where she decides, you know what? Oh, you, you've been walking in my house. I'm sorry. I have to do this. And she breaks uh, his feet. Oh, like that is like fantasy for me. It's so, oh, it's just so nice. Like she just puts a brick there and then she like knocks his feet in. Where, it's just, oh, it's awesome. Like I, oh, it, that was my favorite scene. <laughs> what about you eddie what do you think about the hobbling scene uh it's brutal isn't it i guess um <laughs> it didn't i mean it's hard it's hard, it's hard to under, understand the point of view of someone who would actually do that i mean it's fun to talk about oh i love that stuff but until you actually do it it's it's, it's all speculation there it's it's all that but like for some reason, I re- it felt too real in that movie. Like it, I'm not saying yeah. it looked real or anything, but because of the the realism that Kathy Bates and even James Caan, I thought he was he was great in the in his role. Um, I think the synergy between both of them was something was working, and then she goes ahead and does that to him. So yeah. it's not it's bad enough that she's giving him these pills and doing whatever else. It's just she goes ahead and just breaks his ankle and that's where you see the malice really really at work that's like the apogee of the worst that could happen yeah and yeah i just i just thought i don't know the best scene honestly when he's back in new york (laughs) (laughs) i swear to god it's a it's a relief i mean i'm all against you know i hate like uh you know, like uh, evil corporations and globalization and pesticides and war. But fuck it, man. Manhattan, you know, let's go to a five-star restaurant. <laughs> let's go to Dorcia, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You can get a reservation. I don't... What? If you can get a reservation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you manage to get a reservation at Dorcia, yeah. Sure. We definitely are doing uh, – American Psycho at some point at four real movie club. That is my favorite. Oh my god! It's one please. of my favorite movies ever. It's, it's one of my it's favorite amazing. movies. Ever. Yeah. So stay tuned for for that eventual episode. I guarantee we'll all be on that one. I even wrote, yeah. I even wrote a review on the on the book, right? Yeah, I wrote a review on the book and yeah. comparing the movie. The so, book is funny too. Anyways, but yeah, to me, misery like honestly, the him back in civilization is a relief, and. I think I, it's pretty self-explanatory. I just, I just didn't like claustrophobia. Yeah. Well, final thoughts and a rating zero to ten. What would you say, Caroline? Um, I'll give it a nine and a half, just because I feel like ten is like too much, like too presumptuous on my part. But I really love it, and I feel that 
that movie is it's so simple in ways like Eddie said there's only two characters pretty much and it's a lot of dialogue and all that tension building up between them you know we don't have like crazy car chases and uh, people hanging from buildings but it still works and it works because it just touches on those like primeval fears we have being isolated being out of control and it's just really really well done and he has a pet pig so <laughs> and people breaking bones it's it's awesome i love it eddie what are your final thoughts on a zero to ten rating you can't deny it is a good movie i heard about it uh, you know every once in a while of you know the kathy bates role and all that and I was like, okay, fine, let's watch this. Let's get it out of the way. And um, yeah, I wasn't disappointed. It's just not my kind of movie at all. Just not my kind of movie. Uh, I'll give it a six because it deserves some recognition, definitely. Uh, and I think Stephen King, uh, anything that's taken from a Stephen King novel usually turns out pretty good. No matter how weird or strange <laughs> or whatever. Um, for some reason, his you know movies out of Stephen King novels are there's a certain suspense to it. There's a certain sickness to it. A certain macabre kind of gist. I can't really put my finger on, but it's a good movie. In the end, I just want to say it's a good movie. And I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't. I wouldn't easily recommend it though. <laughs> so the subject matter didn't appeal to me at all I'm going to have to probably go a 7 out of 10 for me this is one of those movies that I had wanted to see for a long time but I kind of agree with you that you have to be in the mood to watch it uh, I find usually I'm not a big fan of horror movies in general and thrillers when they're more on the crime side of things I find them a lot easier to digest than the horror thrillers so I very rarely am in the mood to uh, to eat. Yeah, to uh, to eat a movie like Misery. You know? The VHS tape just doesn't settle uh, well in my stomach. But uh, very rarely do I feel like sitting down and watching a movie like this. And I don't think that I probably would end up suggesting it to most people. But anybody that I do know that does like this type of movie, guaranteed I'd be tossing the name out to them. And uh, anytime somebody says that they want to watch a movie sort of like this, I'm sure I'm going to recommend it to them. Uh, good watch, hard to watch, but a good one nonetheless, I would say. Um, I think that'll round us out for Misery, so if you're watching this on YouTube, as I mentioned before, click on that next video for part two, and if you are listening on iTunes and Stitcher, then all you gotta do is sit back and wait, and we will continue on with Silence of the Lambs. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of episode 10 of the For Real Movie Club. This month, we are doing thriller movies, and we're going to continue along after Misery in the first part. Right now, part two, we're going to talk about The Silence of the Lambs, uh, directed by Jonathan Demme. This is the follow-up to the movie Manhunter, although not technically a follow-up because it's really not in the same continuity, but... Manhunter is based off of the book Red Dragon, which was the first book written 
by uh, Thomas Harris. This is the second book. Then the third book later on would become another movie, which actually would keep continuity. And then they'd go back in time and do Red Dragon, which it gets a little confusing. And then you throw in the Hannibal Rising and you throw in the Hannibal TV show. And basically, let's put it down this way. Watch the Anthony Hopkins stuff. Watch the TV show. Skip Manhunter. Don't see Hannibal Rising, apparently. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Hannibal Rising is probably the worst movie it's in terms so, of franchises that don't really when, – when they try to stick something to – don't watch it. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> so, Caroline, I'm going to pass this over to you again. Uh, give us a little breakdown of Silence of the Lambs. All right. Uh, so, Silence of the Lambs is about um, this FBI trainee, Clarice Sterling, and she actually has to get the help from this big serial killer who's been uh, in – in a prison for the mentally, the criminally insane, uh, to catch another serial killer whose victims have been found not only dead but missing parts of their skin. It's kind of creepy, isn't it? <laughs> so badass. This is uh, there are out of the four movies that we are doing for this month. I own two of them, love two of them. Silence of the Lambs is one of them. Uh, I don't remember how I first got into the movie. I'm pretty sure a, a buddy of mine suggested it when he was getting really into studying films and stuff. Uh, but Silence of the Lambs is a movie that I think is one of the only like horror films that I could actually suggest to anybody as just this is a good movie. Uh, it's odd in a way. Um Mm-hmm. it's not really scary to me although some of these aren't necessary i mean thriller movies aren't the same as horror movies so obviously that's a difference a huge difference between them but something like silence of the lambs should be scarier to me than most horror-y kind of thriller movies too uh just because of the fact that they deal with really dark themes of you know cannibalism is something that's real it's not some supernatural person hunting you down it's a literal doctor who knows how to gut you and will uh, as the big important scene is uh eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice and some nice chianti yeah yeah, chianti and i I don't remember what his name is i I, the actors escaping my uh anthony hopkins no not him uh this other actor um the one who was uh peterman on seinfeld I can't remember. He, he hosted. Oh, I, forgot a, his name. I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Yeah, he hosted an edition of Family Feud for a couple of years and stuff. But he said one time that what used to piss him off about Silence of the Lambs is how he says Chianti <laughs> instead of Chianti. <laughs> yeah, he walked out of the movie when he mispronounced that. <laughs> right. Such an odd thing to take offense to, where it's like that's right. the. He was, he was shitting his pants. And he decided to leave because of that. And then he pretended to be macho. Like, come on. Like, really? Grow a dick. No. Just watch the movie. So, uh, Silence of the Lambs is one of those movies where they, like I said, they they deal into a lot of dark, different themes. And uh, what I think is really cool about it is it's not about Hannibal Lecter as much as it is about a couple of different characters. And... Hannibal would would totally just go, Hannibal's the cool guy, let's do a whole thing about him and stuff. And obviously the whole series revolves around Hannibal Lecter. And if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have a TV show called Hannibal. You would have a TV show called Clarice or something. But uh, 
The criticism that I explains it all. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be a weird mashup, wouldn't it? She turns out to do that because she's already been used to people breaking into her room every night, so she's used to like the horrors of uh, breaking and entering and stuff. Tries to amp it up a little bit more. Yeah, Uh, and the intro, the intro to the show would be like these lamps, like screaming. It's funny that you mentioned intro, though. Uh, I have a note that I didn't realize until rewatching it this time. The opening credits just seems like a television show nowadays to me. Yeah. Like something mm-hmm. that you would see in Law and Order. Or X Files. Yeah, X Files. Yeah, Actual. that's a good Yeah, show. definitely X Files. Yeah. I saw a lot of Scully. I swear to God, I saw I saw a lot of Scully and uh, Clarice. See, I wasn't Maybe. big on X Files, so I don't know too much about her character itself. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! No, really? yeah, it's it, it it does bring a lot of Scully. That's true. Like even, but also like it's a lot to do with like hairstyles and the way they dress with the shoulder pads. But she definitely has some Scully in her as a character. Does Jillian Anderson really talk like she's got shit in her mouth? Like uh, no, Jodie no, Foster no, no. does. Stop it! Leave her <laughs> alone. Southern... Oh, you no, know that's never... true though. She talks like that throughout the whole movie. She's like Doctor Locker, Doctor Locker. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know a West Virginia accent. I don't know how a West Virginia accent is supposed to sound like in God knows what town. So maybe she did pull off a perfect kind of southern but kind of hillbilly thing. But maybe that that's one of my my other criticisms is I can't stand her voice in the movie. <laughs> you know the whole like Williams. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we'll have some more. Uh, things to make fun of the way people talk later when we start talking about uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill and stuff. But um, oh. first thoughts when you had watched this movie the first time, and if you rewatched this, of course, uh, what are your thoughts rewatching it, Eddie? Huh. This is okay. This is one of those movies that you know, time and again, I mention um, the there's a certain quality. To good Hollywood production, that sometimes happens by accident, or sometimes uh, it's meant to be, or, or for whatever reason, a movie stands out and remains that way for as long as there will be cinema. And Silence of the Lambs is one of those. I mean, I find it to be one of the greatest movies in the history of Hollywood, because not only are you dealing with a subject matter that's unusual for an appealing movie and like yeah tony like you said you know you'd recommend this not as a horror movie but as a good movie regardless of genre and uh you're dealing with psychology on such a base level that's it's hard not to and i think it's it's psychology for i would say for dummies you know like what what is the movie really about it's about uh, the, the loss of identity, trying to find one's own identity. That's what Buffalo Bill is about. He's trying to find who, who he, he wants to redefine, redefine who he is. And, you know, he, he's hoping that by uh, by impersonating a woman, becoming a, wearing a woman's skin, will turn him into something more acceptable, at least in his point of view. Uh, so you're dealing with such a strange subject that at the same time, it's kind of like. Um, I don't know. I think it's the psychological equivalent of um, 
that what sci what uh, what cosmos is to sci-fi. Although it's not really fiction, um, or Star Trek is to sci-fi. I mean, it's, it's appealing, it's easy to understand, and I think that's the whole thing. There's a lot of people talk about this movie, but they don't really realize just how intense it becomes in the profiling. What about you, Caroline? Just, First thoughts? Just, sorry, just 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 point out this movie's from 1981. Yeah. Nowadays, it's all about CSI and oh yeah, whatever else. But back then, there wasn't much going on in this area. Now, you could argue that this movie probably got a lot of those people interested in that to begin with. Oh, yeah, totally. And probably got a lot of other people interested in the opposite side of things. <laughs> what about what? you, Caroline? First thoughts uh, when you what had you, first what seen you, this? What do you mean opposite? <laughs> that, that's why I'm introducing Caroline. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Did this get you into uh, the idea of uh, cutting people up? <laughs> my first you know dive into that pool but you know definitely like re-flourish some of my passions and hobbies uh i love that movie it's really cool i've read the book um watched the movie i don't know how many goddamn times i think that it's just we are all we all have this morbid curiosity even you, Tony, who does not like horror movies, it's normal. We all think about death in every single level. And one of the levels is killing others. And, you know, it's awesome. It, it, we have the serial killer, Hannibal Lecter, who the way they push, the way in the book, the way that he's written in the book is as if he's the personification of evil. In the book, he actually even has six fingers on his left hand. And oh, really? that is, yeah, and that is one of the symbols. Um, I think it's like from early ages, like medieval times until like maybe, I might be wrong, like 18th century. But if you had an extra finger in your left hand, you were considered to be evil. Like you had oh, in Tennessee, some... you're still evil. <laughs> Nowadays. <laughs> yeah, sure. Texas too, Montana. Utah. Wow. Well, there you go then. That's, the <laughs> that's still a thing. But um, and and he actually uh, Thomas Harrison, who wrote the uh, Thomas Harris, who wrote the book, he he makes a big point when he's describing him that he is a demon and. A human body like his teeth is smaller than normal people he has really penetrating eyes which Anthony Hopkins did an awesome job capturing that and um the finger situation just how his body is built all of that is uh I think his eyes are even like maroon towards red in the book so he's like see like he the way he's he's described it's like okay this person's not just a person there's something going on inside in the movie we get that sense because, one, the camera goes really close to him, like, frighteningly close. Um, when we see a Freddy, when we see a Jason in a horror movie, the camera normally stays away because they don't want the audience to connect to those characters. We want to stay away from them because they're bad and evil. But with Hannibal, the first scene we have with him, like, the camera goes really close to his face. And he's just staring into the camera, and he can smell Clarice. He knows things about her in a way that even if he was a brilliant psychiatrist, there is no way of knowing. So we get him as being this 
evil, this know-it-all, see-it-all, evil creature, not even a man. Um, and that's pretty amazing. Um, I think that between him and, and Buffalo Bill, like Buffalo Bill is kind of like the intern serial killer, and he's like the CEO or president or something <laughs> like that. Um, the serial killer club. <laughs> This, yeah, you know, you never know. <laughs> like something that should be on the box of Lucky Charms or something. <laughs> Get your free little knife of blood inside. Right. That'll be awesome. Um, yeah, and I also feel like the movie's a lot about his relationship with Clarice. Like the books are certainly um, they explore that. Um, in the book series, he actually ends up with Clarice. Much um, better ending than in the movie. Well, yes, uh, but I don't think that most people will like that. Uh, uh, see, I, when I had heard that, you know, the ending wasn't a spoiler alert for people that aren't watching Hannibal yet. Uh, you know, in the movie Hannibal, he chops his own hand off to escape the police and everything and doesn't end up with Clarice. And I liked it better when she ended up with him because it was like, well, yeah. at this point, like. Anthony Hopkins is a charming motherfucker for a person who's a complete madman. No, I, I, I agree 100%. But I just I just feel like it's something Hollywood would never do. Because right. in the book, for her to end up with him, he actually continuously drug her. So she forgets about everything in her past. And she kind of becomes like a zombie almost to him. And that's how they end up together. They move to, I believe, Argentina and um, she, he, she, he dyes her hair, like, very blonde. So she becomes, like, his little doll. And if you went, like, I would totally watch a movie like that. I feel like that would be awesome. But I, I can't see, like, so many females <laughs> being so upset. And I don't think Hollywood would go for something like this. It's not that commercial. Uh, but yeah, that would be awesome. And I mean, the whole entire movie, I kind of just want them to get it on and have him like eat her as he's like <laughs> fucking her. That would be amazing. That would be like Caroline porn, but I knew it was not going to happen. Uh, and then we have Buffalo Bill who teaches little boys how to tuck. And I thought that that was <laughs> awesome. Uh, the first time I watched it, I didn't even know that was possible. I forced my little cousin to do it to see if it actually worked. That's horrible. But hey, Tony, remember that time when you said this might be used in court? Yeah. <laughs> more and more evidence. See, what what Caroline doesn't know is I'm actually commissioned by the FBI to do this podcast <laughs> to get evidence. Oh, really? Hi, Clarice. Hi. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> It's funny. I don't remember when I learned how to tuck. I think it was way before in a movie. But well, yeah, you know, but it, you you have a penis. I don't. All right. <laughs> Nature already tucked me, so <laughs> I can't explore that art. I'm sorry. Dave's that I'm a girl. kicking himself for not being on this podcast. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. I saw I saw the movie. I first saw the movie when I was 14, so I think I know how to tuck already for sure. <laughs> I think mean, it's an instinct people know. <laughs> um, I mean, it just happens where it's like, you're like, hello. It's like, hey, Oh, yeah, you know how to talk. Something um, on the positive side of things, not on the, the 
skill level of tucking. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to Academy Awards, I mean, we keep mentioning how this is just a legitimately good movie. I mean, this was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, which is very rare for a movie with this kind of tone. And it won every one that it was nominated for, except for two of them. Uh, it, it missed out on Best Sound Mixing and Film Editing, which... Of course, very, very important things, but at the same time, when it comes to most people's views of the Academy Awards, they're like, who fucking cares? Yeah. Film editing, oh, sound mixing. But, you know, that can make or break a movie. And the next movie we talk about is going to be a huge one where we talk about editing. So we'll get back to yeah, that. that's true. But it did win. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won for Best Actor. Jodie Foster won for Best Actress. Ted Talley won for his adaptation of the screenplay. Uh, Jonathan Demi won Best Director, and of course they won Best Picture, which is like unheard of for a movie yeah, like this, and sure. really hasn't been heard of ever since then either. Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, and also um, the American Film Institution rakes Clarice as being the sixth greatest film hero out of fifty, um, and six? I think she. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's going too far, I think. No, (laughs) it's not. No, it's not. She's cool. Guys, stop it. And she's the highest ranked female on the list. You don't know the first one. I haven't done it. And Hannibal (laughs) Lecter is the number one greatest film villain, which, I mean, I I, I like Darth Vader's the number one. Yeah, see, I'd... I'd okay, you Hannibal. guys are just geeks, all right? He is the This is Fanboys Anonymous. We're all geeks. <laughs> he is pure evil. He can look no, into your not. soul. He's just, he's just a psychopath. It's pure and simple. Okay, nobody's just a psychopath, okay? That is just, like, not cool. No. He is beyond that. He's, like, oh, he's There's no awesome. such thing as evil. Everything is based on psychology or pathology. See, I think Hannibal okay, deserves to be. Okay, but that's real life. We're talking about a character in a movie and a book. Who is in that movie? As he's just evil? a psychopath. He's not. He's an old teddy bear. About the book, I agree. <laughs> he, he's not movie, just a psychopath. He's also like, a talented painter, and he's also. <laughs> yes, he's also an inventor, a sculptor, a perfume. Uh, a perfume enthusiast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I would say that yes, maybe like Buffalo Bill is just a psychopath. I just feel like he is portrayed as much more than that in the movie, and that's why he's such a great character. That's no, why Buffalo I would argue Bill, that Buffalo Bill's not necessarily a psychopath. I think his is more of a it's a, his is a psychological trauma. See, I would argue that Hannibal uh, Lecter is no. almost an antihero. Yeah, in a way. So that kind of disqualifies him a little bit from being number one. Exactly. Shut up. <laughs> no, it totally disqualifies him. Completely disqualifies him. And Clarice, if you were going to do a list of uh, specifically the best like female heroes, I could maybe put her up there. But heroes in anything, I mean, we've got far too many. I think that Clarice wouldn't even be in the top fifty. No, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta realize, you gotta realize something. She was an FBI agent in training. She's a woman. In 1991, that goes a long way. Yeah, that's true. And that's uh, yeah, instead of just her, going the manhunter, her, perform- her performance was great. I thought, despite the real weird guy in the character West Virginia kind of <laughs> despite that, it was flawless. I mean, she did a great job, you know. And she still, she had a, she, you know, you could tell, dude, her performance in Shaking when it was dark. I actually believe it. I was like, oh my God, she she seems genuinely terrified. 
And uh, but at the same time, she didn't lose her uh, femininity, and uh, she tried to. I mean, she she still acted tough when you could tell she struggled, but you, the struggle was was far too real. Like I thought it was, it was great. Good job so, defending that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. You turned me around on that idea. Um, yeah. You mentioned AFI though. Uh, AFI also picked one of the uh, the census takers who once tried to test me, the Five Beans line. As the uh, the number 20, 20, no, 21 uh, best movie quote of all time. Definitely up there. That line's awesome. Uh, nominated for it is, uh, but it didn't make the, the list of the top 100, is one of the final lines of the movie, uh, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. All right. When oh, I first yeah. saw this movie, I love puns. It's like my favorite <laughs> type of comedy, and I laughed hysterically at that line. It's so good. Uh, there are a lot of lines in this movie that I, I love. Uh, those two aside, one that's fun as hell to do, uh, impressions of and stuff, and a classic line that they've made fun of on South Park and they've made fun of in pretty much anything is the whole, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. And then, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cartman does something. Like yeah. That. The best part about it is the whole, put the fucking lotion in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, dude. Okay, okay. This is sadistic for my part, but uh, when she starts screaming, when she's in the, she sees the the claw marks of the, of the claw marks, you know, the the scratches, the, the bloody scratches. Yeah. yeah. She's like, ah, ah, ah. and he's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's it's so funny, funny actually. <laughs> it's weird. I, don't, I thought it was funny. Like, yeah. Like you're not I supposed mean, to laugh at this movie, stuff at all, but everybody laughs at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that guy, you know, he he pulled off a good. Um, his portrayal was good, and you see how his composure changed when Clarice met him. He mm-hmm. was like, "Oh yeah, sure, yeah, hi, um, yeah, sure, come on." Oh, like he he wasn't like... that more, you know. He he put up his guard. He put up his social guard, you know. That's, but it's still kind of flawed. That's how you know the guys. Uh, that's how you know he's not just your psychopath it's he's a it's a psychological issue pathological but hannibal on the other hand we're just gonna agree to disagree on that point (laughs) no 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 if you look at this is textbook like complete psychopath a guy who functions perfectly normal uh within social parameters but knows how to calculate and manipulate the situation so he'll he'll never get caught that's what he finally does so that'll round out like the, the casting side of things. I think uh, we mentioned uh, music. What do you guys think about that from this movie? I like the, I like the, the, the eighties pop kind of thing. I thought it, it painted more of a, it painted a profile picture. You know, it, it shows that the guy, that Buffalo Bill guy um, is still very much, you know, in touch with some sort of emotion. He wants to feel good. And the music while he performs his weird, you yeah, know, self gratifying, his weird self gratifying stuff proves that. I don't know, but you know, the music has a giant role in setting the tone. Definitely, that's uh, got to be yeah. the number one song when it comes to the movie. Yeah, plus I love the I love the uh, the Jay parody in Clerks too. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> I'd fuck me hard. <laughs> yeah, but I just, remember, I just, I can't watch this movie and not think of Jay doing that. So that's right. 
Yeah, Clark's too kind of ruined that scene a little bit. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, plus, the song is really cool. I, I, I never looked up a band. I gotta look up that song. It's a pretty cool song. What do you think about oh, the music, weird. Caroline? I like it. I mean, I was like, I definitely like that scene where he's dancing, like super optic, epic. I also like the tones that they set up um, where we have like the aerial shots um, when Clarice and Agent Crawford are going to uh, one of the, the scenes where the body was found. Um, it's just, it's awesome. I'm like, I was, I, I didn't read on all the awards that I won, but I'm still like kind of shocked that it didn't win for editing because the editing was pretty cool too, but yeah, sorry. The mu- I'm getting sidetracked. Sorry, I was reading like dri- <laughs> trivia right here. But yes, music music is it was awesome. I don't understand a lot about music, obviously, but I like it. It didn't take me out of the movie at any time. It just like made it. It just helped. Just I feel like what it should do for that one. So it was cool. Yeah, just a just a little addendum to that. As um, yeah, the music did its job. You know, aside from the soundtrack quality to the specific bands playing during the serial killer uh, scenes, but uh, also just to point out something, uh, the sound editing would never win an Oscar because it's just it wasn't the best. And uh, for instance, the very first dialogue you can already hear it's not very good because it sounds so studio. It sounds very like because I've, I've worked in this and fully and dialogue and ADR so. You can hear that. You can tell they're in a studio, not outside, when they do the voiceovers. For it's like, hey, Clarice Crawford was talking to you on the phone. And she's like, she says like, thanks or something. Like, the dude just kind of like, eh. she says, hold on, I, I need my tell. first. <laughs> I could tell, and I was like, oh man. But I mean, it's it's something you, I I even noticed that in Jurassic Park for crying out loud. So I mean, it's just me coming from that kind of background. I noticed these kind of little mistakes, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to do. It's really, really hard to do um, like perfect ADR throughout a whole movie. It's really hard, and movies I win for that award, uh, for that category, it's it's no. No Trust me, it's no easy feat. Yeah. So general discussion kind of stuff. Anybody want to throw some stuff out there? Um, I'll throw one thing out first. Uh, I would say my least favorite part of the movie is the end fight. Uh, the whole sequence in the um, the night vision. And it's not for, you know, me disliking it. It's just, if there's any point in this movie where I'm, you know, I put it on TV, it's, you know, middle of the day and they're running it and I have it on in the background. If I tend to shut it off, it tends to be at that point. Uh, my favorite parts are obviously the scenes with Hannibal. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, there's something about that that's kind of just, it's not that it doesn't sit well with me for like the tension because the tension's great i mean that's perfect like uh eddie had mentioned it before you can see genuine fear in her eyes and you can feel you know the anxiety and all that stuff but i don't know it's just the the least enjoyable scene i guess i could say for me um but i definitely love the hannibal stuff that's why i could eat up watching the tv series which (laughs) uh is just full-blown hannibal being awesome uh (laughs) What about you guys? Any favorites and least favorites and stuff like that? Hmm. I mean, I'm with you. I love the scenes with Hannibal. Uh, I like his interaction with Clarice. 
I really like the uh, scene where they all go um, to the autopsy on their body um, that they dig out of the river. They get it out of the river. Um, and just one trivia on that scene, apparently, um, they use, like, for the cocoon that they found in the girl's mouth, they use this um, prop made out of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears so that if somebody <laughs> swallowed it, it wouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, my least favorite scene, um, I mean, I guess it's not even like because it's the least favorite scene, it's just because um, I hate Dr. Chilton so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, oh my god, he reminds me of some of my doctors. I just want to like kill him. And so like any scene that he's just being an asshole, I just want him to go suck a dick. But it's not because I don't like the scene. It's just because Dr. Chilton is just, he gets in my nerves. But he's, I mean, he's an awesome character. He just gets in my nerves. You like that scene where uh, Hannibal's in the um, the prison cell, but he's all strapped up and Chilton's laying down in his bed and everything? Yeah! just be an asshole like what an asshole you just think you're so full of yourself it's just ugh. ugh he's he's a despicable human being but <laughs> not because he like he's a good character like in the book too like i just wanted to kill him all the time like it's okay see i would argue he's more of a villain in the movie than hannibal well yeah because i mean you, you i think like, you're happy when hannibal breaks hannibal, out yeah <laughs> But Tilton, he's such a slimy, opportunistic asshole with crazy hair. You just want him to die. I oh, hate him. Sorry, I just get really passionate. I just don't like him. What but about I, you, Eddie? Are there any uh, favorites or least favorite scenes from the movie? There are a few favorites. In the, I think just one scene I didn't like. Um, let me get that out of the way. It's that, yeah, where Dr. Chilton or whatever is laying on the bed, but I'll tell you why. I don't care how many years you've been on the job and how slack you've become. You don't forget a pen in the J in the JSL of a man who can turn a fucking who's who's MacGyver. You know the guy's like fucking MacGyver. You don't you don't just do that. I thought that was really unrealistic, and they could have done something better. So what about favorites? Full. I don't care. I don't care how full. I don't care how full of himself that Doctor Chilton was. I thought it was really realistic, and something better could have come along in, in his escape. Um, maybe one of the guards, you know, when he was in the in that big, uh, I guess, gallery, could have got some got some sort of slack. But even then, it wasn't realistic. And then, okay, I guess there's two least favorite parts. Why would he set the food down so? It, it was really careless on the cops. I don't know. And then the, the editing was bizarre during the scene where he goes to bite the other guy's nose after he locks up one of the cops. Because you nowadays, I'm pretty sure you'd have a stunt guy like totally kicking the door and then locking the other guy at the same time. You'd see, you'd see a fluid sequence. But back then, they, like, they had to edit it and make it so that it would, it would kind of work. And I don't think it worked very well. Watch that scene again. You'll see what I'm talking about uh, when he subdues the guards. Uh, apart from that, honestly, Tony, dude, that scene in the dark is like, that sounds really bad right now. Hang on. Uh, that scene with the night vision goggles is, I mean, to me, that just proves just how amazing Jodie Foster was in that role. 
And what's funny is that originally the director didn't want Jodie Foster, wanted Julianne Moore, who he actually got in Hannibal. I might be wrong on that, so you're going to have to look up the trivia for me. Um, and another good scene is uh, when Clarice first meets Hannibal. And again, Jodie Foster hats off. Everybody talks about Anthony Hopkins, and I agree he did a great job, but the scene where Clarice first goes to talk to Hannibal is, is you can tell she's trying to keep her composure, but it's not possible. She's kind of breaking. That quid pro quo, right? Can't have mm-hmm. a great performance from Hopkins if you don't get a good one from Foster, too. Yeah. Good way to tie that into there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so final thoughts and your rating zero to ten, Caroline. Um, I would say. Oh man, that's hard. Oh man, I feel like okay. I'll I'll, I'll give it a nine, uh, just because I really love Hannibal, <laughs> <laughs> and I really enjoyed the books. And I got very depressed when the books ended, and I had no idea what to do with myself. So I'll give it a nine for emotional reasons. What about you, Eddie? Um, I'll give it an eight. It's definitely a, a Hollywood masterpiece. Um, in terms of overall production, it is great, but not the best. But there's nothing, nothing bad to be said about anything at all in this movie, except for the little nitpicking that I did with the, some of the realism and all that. But otherwise it, it's, it's a great movie, very good movie and deserve the Oscars. And I recommend it. Very much agreed. I'm going with a nine myself and, uh, go watch it and go check out the TV show too. Cause the TV show is awesome. And it's going to be coming yeah. back soon. Uh, we're going to get red dragon this time around. They just announced Richard Armitage is going to be, uh, Francis Dollarhide. So, that should be cool. uh, hopefully hoping for nude scenes. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully if we do get nude scenes, it's the girl that played, uh, what's her name in it? Um, Alana Bloom. Give me that. Oh, no. instead. Fu- fuck her. That's kind of the point, isn't it? Well, you you go fuck her. I just want Dolla Hyde's ass on my TV. (laughs) All right, guys. Next part's not going to have Dolla Hyde's ass, but it's going to be Memento. So (laughs) click on part three if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're on iTunes and Stitcher, just sit tight and we will roll on. Uh, welcome back, everybody. We are on part three of episode 10 of the For Real Movie Club podcast for January. We're talking thriller movies, and now we're on a neo-noir psychological thriller film directed by Christopher Nolan. You should know what we're talking about by then. Mm. Memento. And we're going to start off with a rating of 0 to 10, and then we're going to backtrack. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, how, how much of a mindfuck would it be if I did that on this <laughs> Yeah, we should start this uh, this review uh, from the mental backwards. Right. So final thoughts, and then we'll go to uh, <laughs> introductions of who everybody is, and then we'll backtrack again to the introductions, and you know, because this movie and then move around some more. <laughs> yeah, this movie messes with you. Uh, it came out in the year two thousand, and uh, immediately when I had seen this movie, which was very soon after it had come out. 
I knew that I wanted to check it out just from hearing that this was a film that was just edited like crazy and everything. Uh, but we'll get into some of that, uh, talk a little bit later. Caroline, give us a breakdown of Memento. All right. So Memento is a movie about a man that creates a strange system to help him remember things. And that includes lots of notes and even tattoos uh, so that he can find the murder of his wife, even though he suffers from short term memory loss, which is it doesn't help him out for sure. (laughs) It inspired that song Amnesia by uh, Chumbawamba. Do you suffer from short term memory (laughs) loss? Wait, it's long-term true? memory loss. That's what, no, I'm just oh. joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Actually, now I'll find some information that it's true or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was probably around this time. 90s? Yeah. 2000s? I don't know. Yeah, Chumbawamba yeah. had that album out in 98. But I only oh, know that one song. Never mind, yeah. That's too early then. Uh... But yes, uh, Caroline's right. Uh, the movie does surround the idea of somebody who has short-term memory loss. He uh, is tracking down John G. That's one of the only things that we know for a good portion of the movie. Uh, yeah. Although you can't technically say that you know it from the first third of the movie or the first half of the movie or whatever because this is – if you think Pulp Fiction is edited in a confusing way and there's some people out there that do and – Shame on you if you you can't follow Pulp Fiction. Come on. Um, yeah, you have but, issues. Yeah, if you can't follow Pulp Fiction, you are not going to be able to figure out Memento. And there's people that can't even pronounce the name of the movie correctly. I don't know how many people <laughs> call it Memento. All the time. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Uh, but Memento. Memento, the fresh maker. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted so badly to film a sketch called Mementos. And then they ended up doing it on <laughs> SNL or something. And I was just like, shit, why didn't I buy a camera and get it up and running faster? Uh, but uh, Memento is um, – if there's anything about this movie that we can talk about, before we get even into casting and uh, music and favorite scenes and whatever like that, I mean let's talk about the elephant in the room, the editing. Mm. Uh, there are people that – write papers about how this film is edited and how you have to draw charts and graphs and you know and it's like you can't even say that this is all backwards or that this is all you know we skip from a to c to b to d because you don't you sometimes go from scene f and then you go to the beginning of scene f right after it and it's yeah it's insane uh it's tough to follow and it pretty much guarantees you're watching this movie at least twice if not three times before you figure out exactly what's going on that's true uh which some here's the thing i disagree i think it's really really linear because you have two lines to follow you have the black and white which has a beginning and and it's fluid and it's what cuts the the storytelling cuts the parts um whenever you see the colors and, and all the storytelling becomes backwards in a sense that you begin, let's say, with uh, from point F to point G. When that scene ends, you have the black and white again when he's answering, when he's talking on the phone and he's telling a story. And then all of a sudden you start in point E, which then ends in point F. 
And then it's the black and white again, which is that linear. He's talking on the phone, telling the story, uh, mentioning Sam and a, a similar case of memory loss. Um, then you start at point D, which goes to the which in the end is point E. And then it, all the way that happens all the way all the way back to point A. Um, and it makes sense. It totally makes sense. I don't think it's it's that confusing. I mean, I, I had seen Pulp Fiction already, so this is much easier than Pulp Fiction. Oh, you'd say it's easier. Much easier, yeah, because there's only two lines to follow in Pulp Fiction. It's A, F, X, M, B, and stuff. Hmm. People listening on YouTube, leave a comment below. Tell us what you think is easier and which one's harder. I'm curious to see what other people think, too, about that. Um, so uh, let's jump into the uh, the casting side of things. Uh, we've got people that are, are relatively known, but they're not A-list stars. I mean, Guy Pierce is a guy who this kind of this movie sort of boosted him up a little bit. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, of course, she has been mostly known for the Matrix. Matrix. <laughs> uh, and good old Joey Pants uh, is just one of those guys. You see him and you're like, oh, I saw him in that other thing. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody else essentially is an unknown at best. Uh, but what do you think about the casting? Should we have... You know, the girl from CSI and uh, the guy from Heroes, like, are they standouts or are all these kind of things, people that you could have just grabbed somebody else for it? What do you think, Caroline? I don't know. I mean, I like the editing. I like Guy Pierce. He's just weird-ass looking. And <laughs> he has, like, that confused look in his face. Like, normally, I feel like. So, <laughs> to me, it just made a lot of sense to have him in that movie. And Carrie and Moss, she looks such a, like, a cold bitch. So, whenever she's in the movie, like, I just love her because I know she's just going to do that. She just looks super icy. And it just fits. I mean, mainly, I feel like with all uh, the supporting characters in this movie, we're uh, with uh, Guy Pierce's character uh, in the movie. He's the main character, so we're following him around. We don't know who to trust. And I feel like everybody else in the movie kind of looks... I mean, they don't look like they're thugs and they're going to stab you in the back, but it, they just have a look about them that they're just, like, not trusting people. It's not like if you had, um, I don't know, what's his face? The one that just did um, the interview, Seth Rogen. Like, mm -hmm. he could never play someone, like, that would yeah. possibly be sneaky and stab you and you don't know how to trick it. It kind of looks like a teddy bear. And I just feel like the people that they casted for this movie, they just work like that, you know? They look okay. They don't have any scars in their face. They don't have an eye patch. But <laughs> they're all hiding something. The pirate they're, scene was coming yeah, out. You know, uh, yeah, you know. Damn, pirate scene. <laughs> but they look like they're hiding something and that they might not be trustworthy. So to me, it definitely works. Yeah, there's a different sketchiness from Joe Pantoliano and Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Like, you know, was Forrest Gump right there and trying to... No. Like, Although, it'd be kind of funny to see him do the whole <laughs> Lenny thing. <laughs> Lenny! Life's a box of chocolate. 
Eddie, what do you think about the casting? Um, it was great. I can't find anything wrong with it. Uh, I think Guy Pierce did a great job. Yeah, he looked kind of lost, <laughs> uh, <laughs> supposedly. But I mean, he's a great actor. I like, I like yeah. him in a lot of different stuff. Um, I don't, I don't know why. Like, I just for some reason. I like a lot of European actors. I mean, there's something particularly, I don't know what it is. Their training is, uh, more based on, on, uh, the stage, you know, theater, maybe Shakespearean or something. I'm not saying that Guy Pierce is that. I don't know much about him, but I thought he was great. And, uh, Carrie Ann Moss was great. Uh, I guess she was writing the whole, you know, like, Oh, Hollywood loves you, kind of thing after The Matrix. And she starred in this good movie. Because I haven't heard from her since. So. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't really done anything. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Joe, was it Joe Pantoliano? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, he was great in Bad Boys. He was in Bad Boys, right? He was the boss. Uh, I think he was. I know he's yeah, in Uzzah, Daredevil. Uzzah, and... Uzzah, right? Is that it? I haven't seen Bad Boys. In Bad Boys 2? Oh, dude, come on. In Bad Boys 2, it's all like Zen and stuff. And every time Will Smith is like, yo, boss, we just blew up a whole like warehouse and the police can like have to pay for it. It's like, Musa, Musa. <laughs> Anyways, I might be wrong. It could be a completely different actor. It could be a different movie. Anyway. <laughs> could be Anger Management probably with uh, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler. But anyways. Um... Yeah, the casting was great. I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, I I don't know if you re- if you replace anyone, uh, could have been a different. It could have been a disaster. Probably. Got to find somebody else who looks confused all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, music side of things, I love the music that they used in this. Uh, I bought the soundtrack as soon as I could. I listened to multiple songs from the score. Just regularly. Uh, it's a soothing score for the most yeah. part. Um, which actually, I don't know if that would say like it hinders the thriller kind of element to it, but I mean, this is a different type of animal when it comes to. Uh, I could do a good joke with a different type of animal besides the lambs and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, something like Misery is going to have a darker edge to it than something like this because this is a more tragic movie. So yeah. it needs to have that softer vibe to it. And I think that pulls that off so well. This is the other movie for those that are keeping count though, that I own and love and have watched a bunch of different times, uh, that and Silence of the lambs. Um, but the music is fantastic. And I think that's like what easily one of my favorite things about the movie. Um, personally, at least, I don't know, but what do you guys think about the music? I like yeah, it. Uh, I need... think... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You understand more about this than I do, so go ahead. Well, okay. Um, well, you see, like I mentioned in, the, uh, in uh, Misery and Silence of the Lambs, it's well, more misery. It's kind of like uh, it was back then it was still lacking in this uh, in this quality department. A lot, of, a lot of things were still somewhat fillers and Hollywood was kind of uh, bland and and then computers came by, you know, things became a lot, um, almost easier and faster to produce. Uh, 
and new ideas started coming out. You know, technology started catching up in that aspect. And this, you know, Memento is one of those movies where it first starts to show. You know, um, Requiem for a Dream, for instance. Uh, I think it's Hans Zimmer. Uh, you know, because it was Christopher Nolan, I thought maybe Hans Zimmer did this, but no, it's David Julian, who I never heard of. Uh, yeah, there were parts in the movie where I was like, wow. I was expecting something totally cliche, but no, it's actually something really cool. Like, I, you know, nothing I can, nothing I'd buy a soundtrack to, but it's definitely great. What about you, Caroline? I enjoyed it. Again, like, it didn't, like, take me out of the movie. Like, since, like, I don't really... I mean, I'm not really knowledgeable when it comes to music and, and sounds in general, even because my hearing's pretty bad. Um, I, I It didn't take me out. So to me, like, that's a plus. Like, I hate when all of a sudden I'm no longer there with the characters in the story and I'm, like, more concerned about what, you know, what is that noise that I'm heard? Like, what, what music is playing? Oh, let me choose in and out. Like, yeah, that's cool when you watch a movie after maybe the second time and you're just paying attention to different details. But to me, you know, music is important. It definitely is there to at the ante or to set up the mood. And with Mento, like, I'm one of those people that when I first watched it, uh, I mean, I only figured out what was going on really towards the end. And I was like, oh, holy shit. But throughout the movie, I was just, like, so entranced of, oh, my God, like, what's going on? Like, what are these tattoos about? Like, oh, and I love this scene where he's like, uh, I am chasing someone? Oh, no, I'm being chased. And to me, like, <laughs> that, like, expl- like, that not only is one of my favorite scenes, but to me, like, that was my experience with Memento the first time I watched it. And the music, just like you said, like, it's really soothing. So it's not something that I was expecting, I guess in a movie like that because I was like so on edge but it made sense to me because after all it's not something it's it's still a dark movie I still feel like there's like a big deep darkness to it but it's very tragic at the same time especially when you find out everything that really happened and you're like oh my god and then you realize that he's not gonna believe and he's just gonna start all over again it's just it's like hell like he's stuck in hell and mm, it just it worked. It worked, especially once I figured out <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> uh, so let's start just picking some random things out there that we thought was funny or interesting or whatever. Uh, you mentioned how Carrie Ann Moss just looks like a Stone Cold bitch. And <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is <laughs> when she you know, reveals to the audience uh, that she's just completely taking advantage of Leonard. And yeah. damn, she is a bitch in that scene. <laughs> like, I know. Oh my god, she's just like, oh, she's so icy. And it's funny because she kind of re- resembles my mom a little bit. But I just feel like she's <laughs> so icy and just, oh, like at first I was like, oh, maybe like she's someone I can trust and somebody that will help Lenny. But damn, girl, like you didn't have to do it like that. That was horrible. <laughs> And it's a different uh, level of, you couldn't really say evil, but like uh, a different level of being an antagonist than with the Teddy character, because he's clearly not a great guy if he's doing this, but you still kind of feel like you are upset that he gets killed. 
Like, or at least right. I do. Yeah. No, I, I, I did too. And like with him, like, yeah, he was doing something that <laughs> somebody with like a straight mind probably wouldn't do. But I feel like deep down his intentions made sense to him. And, you know, it was like there was some sort of like a weird loyalty on his part. And with her, no, she was just like straight up cold. And which it worked. I mean, I I don't dislike her character. I was just like, oh, like I felt so betrayed by her. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other things that I had written down about. Um, I always like the line, I don't feel drunk. <laughs> Yeah, this is cool. I love it. Like I love the I'm chasing someone. No, me chase. Like that to me is like oh, exact. Thank you. That's how I feel all the time in this movie. Something that I didn't realize the multiple times I've seen it beforehand, but I did pick up on it this time around. He never does laundry, does he? (laughs) He's just like smelling horrible in this drug dealer's suit for multiple days, and that's. Maybe it's affected, like, his sense of smell, too, and he just doesn't really remember the smell. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so what other ones uh, do you guys want to throw out there to talk about? Uh, let me pull my notes. My computer went to sleep. Whoa. Anything that stands out to you, Eddie? Well, the scene that most stands out to me actually, uh, well, since the movie is backwards, is actually the credits. Because when it ends, you're like, oh, okay, crap. So uh, Teddy really was just a nice guy, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And it's like, oh, nice man. Yeah, well, you know, like he, he, he's by his side, right? And that's when you really get the confirmation. Like, okay, the movie ended, so now you know for sure that the last thing you, you heard – was that Teddy was actually t- giving that whole, you know, the opening up saying, dude, like I looked after you, you killed the bastard and whatever, whatever. I thought it would make you feel good about it, but no. Like, and then it ends, you're like, oh, okay, so that definitely was a confirmation that Teddy's a good guy and it. Carrie Ann Moss is the bitch. Stone cold bitch. <laughs> yeah. I love the whole scene where he's, um, Telling the story that's actually his story, but about Sammy. Was it Sammy? Am I yeah. confusing this? Yeah. Sammy Jenkins. Uh, yeah, Sammy Jenkins. Like, I like the whole um, sequence. Uh, it, oh, it just, like, it kind of broke my heart, and I just felt like I was just all over the place with the movie that I didn't really connect the dots that that could actually be him and then he you know and then we realize what's going on and oh man that was so like that destroyed me a little bit like that 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 made me upset but it's still like one of my favorite favorite sequence um I also love the whole like tattooing of his notes that was pretty cool and kind of hot um (laughs) Like, oh, it's, it's cool. And I just also like the mood of the whole film because most of it's very, like, the colors are pretty, like, it wasn't a movie that it was lit and colored something, like, like Seven, for instance, uh, which is another great thriller um, where it's very noir looking. It's very, yes, I mean, Memento, we have the black and white, obviously, but... 
when we have the color teams, things are kind of sunny looking in a way. They're not like seven, for instance, which it looks like it's overcast and raining the whole entire time. And that was good because I feel like if if it was kind of like seven, it would have shifts the mood in a way that the movie didn't need it. So I liked that bit a little bit too. And I was just reading how Brad Pitt almost played that role. Hmm. Um, I don't know. He doesn't look that confused to me. And what I also realized when I was rewatching this is that that scene where we, we see like the like the like the comic store, like how we see like there's like a um, a bookstore, yeah, like, like a comic bookstore. Uh, there's like the Batman symbol there and there's also like the superman i was like oh maybe like christopher nolan took a look in his future and knew that he was going to be involved with like the batman trilogy and men of steel and whatnot i thought that was kind of (laughs) cute but it just might be me being crazy that's kind of funny though um we were talking before we started recording this of just the idea of whether this is christopher nolan's best film or not um Mm -hmm. I am a huge Batman fan. I mean, Batman's easily my favorite superhero character ever and all that. I love Batman Begins. I actually am one of those rare people that thinks that Batman Begins is maybe even a better film than Dark Knight is. Um, And then Dark Knight Rises just kind of falls apart a little bit. But uh, Christopher Nolan is definitely one of my favorite directors. Insomnia, meh. Yeah. Uh, Interstellar was disappointing, and oh no, hang on, yeah, I forgot about Interstellar. I yeah, forgot about Interstellar. And that movie was amazing. Ah, uh, see, we'll read that's a whole discussion I, I, uh, for another day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would argue that the Prestige is underwhelming compared to what a lot of people think. I had never saw his first film, but Memento was the first thing that I ever seen of uh, Christopher Nolan's, and when they announced that he was going to be directing, you know. Batman Intimidation Game is what they were calling it at the time. And I was like, that's a stupid title, but I'm totally on board with Christopher Nolan. Um, and uh, this is based off of, again, this is every one of the four movies that we're doing this month is based off of a previously established work. This is Jonathan Nolan's uh, short story. Jonathan Nolan's his brother. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Nolan has really been proven himself as a, a killer person to watch out for to me because he helped work on the Batman uh, trilogy. He is responsible for definitely one of my favorite TV shows on uh, TV right now, Person of Interest, which is just Batman with cops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, this team of Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan, um, they're killing it in this movie. And I think that's a great representation. If anybody watches this movie and they, they like it, uh, I think that they, they got to check out his other work. But tying into that and getting your opinions about what the best Nolan film is and where this kind of places in there, but also, uh, before I pass it off to you guys, there's a theory that goes around now. And I don't think it's got much validity to it, but I wanted to get your opinions about this too. A lot of people are saying what they think is going on here is that Christopher Nolan made... Uh, a series of films about making films and that memento is the first one of them uh which is about the film editing process uh the prestige is one about 
filmmaking in general where you uh, present the audience with something and you try to trick them with a twist at the end and different stuff like that. Like, you know, you're pulling the magic trick over their eyes. And Inception is one about getting into the psyche of your uh, audience and essentially breaks down to Memento's film editing. Uh, prestige is direction and Inception is writing. Well, I think tying, totally right. Tying that in together and just talking about Nolan in general, what do you guys feel about this? How does Memento stand up and all that? Caroline? Go with you first. Why why are you killing me first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like trying to digest everything you just said and I'm trying to make sense of it. Um Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Eddie. <laughs> all right. No, I I think that's totally right. Um I saw his first movie and uh, I don't know if it's anything to do with it, but maybe it's uh, the first movie is about like how to make a movie in black and white. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's pretty cool. Um, as far as simple, as far as uh, the simplicity of it. Um, I think, yeah, that's exactly right. But if you ask Christopher Nolan about it, he'd be like, uh, sure, I guess. I think, I think he did it subconsciously. He knew what he was doing, but he he didn't do it like deliberately to work on the editing. Maybe he just thought like Memento would be interesting if we did this editing and all that. And then maybe the Prestige just kind of worked out that way and uh, and so forth. You know, it's just I think it happened by accident. But yeah, it's he's a, I think he's a master uh, director. He definitely ties in with themes with everything that he does. I mean, yeah. clearly mm-hmm. Batman yeah. Begins is about fear and Memento yeah. is about memory. And uh, so I could see that being a subconscious thing, too. I don't I don't put much validity in the actual theory that he's like plotting this out and being like, I'm going to get them with this one. And like you can you you can do it. You can you can form out a, a theory about anything in his movies and still find evidence if you really dig into it, you know, right. like if you want sure. that to to be a real deal, yeah, you're going to find, if you, if you, I don't know, if you, you maybe have the theory that he's obsessed with the number three, you're going to find evidence that he's obsessed with the number three in every yeah. single movie, I guarantee you, like, I, I, I don't have an obsession with the number three, I'm just, like, throwing something out there, but, is that because this is know. part three? <laughs> I just, like, throw out a number, but see, you, you found evidence, like, see, yeah, <laughs> but, um, I really don't know. I just feel like sometimes people just read too goddamn too much into things and they just have to calm their asses down and enjoy a good movie and that's that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, let's uh, break this down. Final thoughts and uh, rating 0 to 10 and in general, what do you think is the most thrilling aspect of this movie too? We'll throw that out there as another discussion point. Eddie? Um, yeah, when you first... Uh, when you see the, the... Not the first, the second. The second uh, slice of, of the story being told, you, you're not sure what's going on because it's not... It's not... Uh, front to back it's back to front and then when you get to the end of that scene it's like oh okay now i get it 
sort of. You're still not sure. Then you go to the third, to the third one, and then you finally get to the end. And it's like, oh yeah, so that's what that other one started. That's when you finally figure it out. So I think like it's, it's it, you might. It's the kind of movie you definitely want to watch it again, you know, at least twice, to really grasp it. Um, and I think that frustration and of not really knowing what's going on in the very beginning might actually. Uh, for some people, might actually play it uh, as a negative aspect because you know usually you want to digest every, you really want to enjoy a movie to its fullest, and I don't think it's possible with the first time you watch Memento. It's kind of like, oh man, I I am lost here, and then when you finally get it, it's like, oh, okay, go back, go back, I got it, I got it, go back, please, I want to see it again. It's like, oh. so it's interesting. It's kind of like a little mind game. What would you get it out of a out of a ten rating? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it an eight because I think in terms of uh, cinematography, it's extremely interesting. It deserves recognition, and uh, the other aspects of the movie are great. Production is great, the acting is great, the, the music is great, the, the foley was great, ADR, all that. Yeah, shame on you, uh, Academy, for not giving this best film editing. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can still, I can still understand because it's still very linear. You what know, about it? You? Might be genius from our point of view, but from a technicality mm. point of view, there maybe that year, you know, was it nominated or not? Yeah, it was nominated. I think um, okay. Lord of the Rings won. Ugh. Yeah, there you go. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you gotta understand it's a lot of mafia also. Yeah. What about you, Caroline? Final thoughts: zero to ten. Uh, thoughts on the most thrilling aspect of the movie too um well most thrilling aspect for me was definitely not really knowing what the hell was going on but at the same time not one moment of the movie i felt disconnected from lenny and i feel like that was pretty awesome that they could create this whole <coughs> excuse me <coughs> um this whole story where this character doesn't really remember what he just did and he's trying to go into this like really um intense journey of finding his wife's killer uh but he he doesn't remember he has to really keep uh reminding himself and i feel like it was pretty badass that they were able to do that without being boring and without you losing contact with him and i don't have a short term memory problem I don't think but I totally empathize with him throughout the whole movie like I wanted him to be okay I didn't want anything bad to happen to him I didn't want to trust the people that he was around because he didn't want to trust the people he was around he didn't know if he could trust him I didn't know if I could trust him and I feel like every time that happens in a movie for me that just makes everything worth it um, because it's hard to do it's hard for somebody to actually connect with another human being like that without like being in the same place and without like touching that human being. And I think that's awesome. Um, I love the editing. I love the acting. Carrie Ann Moss, Ice Cold Bitch. I still love her. Um, yeah, like I love that movie. It was really, really great. I feel like I'll give it a nine and a half. Um, I mean, I really don't, I, like, I, 
I don't think I can find anything bad in it. I mean, like, for me, like, the only bad thing is that, like, there's no really horrible torture scene, but it didn't bother me in that movie. Like, I was with it, and I watched it many times now, and I, I'm not going to get tired of, you know, watching it again and again. It's a good, good movie. All right, so first things first, let's get into the casting. Uh, <laughs> I had to do another joke about editing. That. <laughs> uh-huh. I was so confused. I was like, wait. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what I would end up referencing later on. I was actually going to play with your head a little bit and ask you to do a 0 to 10 again, and I thought that would be a little bit neat. <laughs> I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. Um, slightly... Lower than Silence of the Lambs as far as uh, quality, but I think that this is another movie that I I actually recommend this movie to almost anybody uh, for anything for the most part. Um, especially if they say that they like movies like The Usual Suspects or Fight Club or something, then I'll immediately go to check out Memento because it's so awesome and check it out for a second time too. Uh, mm-hmm. But that'll round us out for Memento. We have one more movie to do on this list of our January thrillers, and that is Old Boy from 2003 in Part 4. So stay tuned, everybody. Wherever you're watching it, you should know by now. I've mentioned it multiple times. And if not, then pull a Memento, go back, and listen to it again. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the final part of Episode 10 of the Fanboys Anonymous for Real Movie Club podcast for January. We're talking thrillers. And we've gone through horror thriller, we've gone through uh, crime psychological thrillers, we've gotten uh, the neo-noir messed up editing thrillers, and now we are on uh, mystery thriller, I guess they technically classify it as uh, Old Boy, the 2003 version from South Korea. Now, we need to specify that because there is a 2013 remake of this with... Josh Brolin, and it's made by Spike Lee, and apparently is god-awful, so I'm not going to be checking that movie out. But uh, as you are the one who picked these uh, films out, Caroline, hit us with a little bit of Old Boy. Okay, cool. So um, Old Boy is a story about this guy who is pretty much like a drunk, uh, not such a great dad. Uh, possibly not a great human being, but out of nowhere, one night he's kidnapped and he ends up being in prison for 15 years in this really weird prison slash hotel room um, with no explanation whatsoever. Um, all of a sudden, he's released and he's given some money, a cell phone, and that's that. So he has no idea what's going on and he decides to go look for uh, his daughter and his wife's killer but things are definitely way more complicated than he would imagine and he'll soon figure out what really happened and why he was kept prisoner for all those years so that's it oh and it's also the second installment of the vengeance trilogy um first one is sympathy for mr vengeance and the third one is sympathy for lady vengeance which was really cool too are they all connected or is it just kind of like yeah, this director did Vengeance movies? And... Yeah, it's it's it. I mean, it's connected on the Vengeance motif, but not like storyline. No, you can definitely there are standalones. Really, you can definitely watch them 
out of order and or not watch you know the other two to get what old boy is about and so on and this one is also a south korean movie so yay koreans are awesome <laughs> well south, south, south koreans. koreans are <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah we didn't specify that <laughs> So I am going to purposely not mention many character names in this because I guarantee I'm <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of like, should I say it? I am probably going to butcher those names. Odesu? 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 Odesu. Odesu? Odesu? Good old Johnny boy. I could get Mido right. Yeah. Mido. I'll mention Mido quite a bit. But when we start getting into Lee Wujin and... That guy. Yeah. Park is one guy, I think. Or is that... He's uh, the director. <laughs> oh, the director, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, forewarned about that uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. But, uh, Eddie, what were your first thoughts of watching Old Boy? Um, you know, I was just kind of bored one day and I rented this movie. Um, just for the heck of it. I was like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll watch an Asian movie, see what the big deal is. I think, this is, I think this is the first Korean movie I've ever seen. Uh, it's about four years ago, and then it caught me by surprise. I, I wasn't expecting something this uh, of this quality, of this magnitude. I mean, uh, usually when I see uh, foreign movies, uh, be them European or Asian, it's it's usually very you know slow, very not very action based, and all that, but and this one has like shootouts and all that and a lot of different environments, different places and just flashbacks and and gets very psychological too. So it totally caught me by surprise and though it's it's really dark and stuff and sometimes even fantastic when you think of the magnitude of the revenge being taken. Uh Sometimes you gotta remember that Asian culture, uh, in Asian culture, people really will go out of their way to pull off one specific action. It's it's crazy. And honor, of course, is a huge factor. Oh, which dogmatic to the last. Yeah, it does not translate as much to the American audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of Japanese stuff. So I, I, I understand why I, I understand the the possibility of this, right? And that, I don't think I, I'm not sure the average person in the West would totally buy into it. What about you, Caroline? First thoughts when you first watched Old Boy? Well, I had heard a lot about the movie from my Asian friends, and they were like all fifty fifty. Like some people, they either loved it or they hated it. So I was like, okay, why would you hate it? It's like, oh, it's too disturbing. I'm like, done. I need to watch this movie. So I actually went and actually bought it even before watching it. And I was not disappointed. I, I'm a big fan of horror, like Asian horror movies. And Koreans tend to be one of my favorites. This one's not a horror movie. It's disturbing, though. So... I once I watched it and figured it out what was going on, I could definitely understand why some of my more conservative friends did not appreciate it. Um, it's pretty cool. Like I loved it. There were times where I felt like I was kind of watching something kind of like 
Kill Bill, but on like ecstasy, like on high speed, like something <laughs> like crazy. I can see that. And I am all about it. Like I love that they went full on it. Like they actually took incest and made it like freaking cool <laughs> in a way that I don't mind watching it. It was it was it was so cool. Like I really loved um that when we first see the main character we don't really like I didn't really like him. It was like kinda like, ugh, this is gonna be our main character. Like he can barely stand up right now. Is he gonna be drunk throughout the whole movie? And just like being with him in that little room and seeing him go through all this stage. It was like he went kind of from the stage uh, he went through the stages of grief. Like first he was really angry, had no idea what was going on. And then he kind of became this little like puppy dog, just very depressed. And like all all of it. It was it was magical. <laughs> like I really loved it. And just the whole thing with the um like how he was hip like I'm gonna be ruining this movie for a lot of people. Hypnotized and the whole phone thing and meeting the girl in this sushi bar, the infamous octopus scene. Yes. Uh, that was actually a real one. And and they I feel like he actually ate like four live ones. Um because they couldn't get it in the first take. And that's really interesting because the actor is Buddhist, so he actually had to pray after each scene, every single take, uh, because he ate those little guys. Um, But that was so visceral. Like, this guy's just been in prison for 15 years, and he didn't even know what he did to get that. And the the first thing he wants to do is to eat something alive, to Feel that heart pulsating the blood in his mouth. And oh, that was so cool. And obviously, like, the taking out the teeth and him finding out what the hell happened at the end. And him, like, choosing something that was very um, interesting in the end. Like, you had to make the choice of remembering or not remembering and... The whole entire time, I had no idea what he was going to choose because I knew that this guy was broken from the very first scene in the movie. So I knew that his actions were not going to be of somebody who is stable. And I just love I will go on and on about this movie, guys. Sorry. I just really (laughs) loved it. I'm all about it. So... I'm kind of assuming that we're not going to have too much to talk about when it comes to casting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but does anybody have any notes that they want to throw out there of uh, anybody that could have been playing these characters better or anything? If we do know any uh I mean, Korean we know we know some of the characters that uh, were in the remake. So maybe we could, like... Like, who I, I, would have been better instead of Emily Maybe, Olsen yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... And I, I didn't, I, I, I was like, I'm not going to watch this remake because this is ridiculous. But for what I get it, somebody watched it and told me that it's actually a scene by scene remake. And I don't get it. Like, why would you get, just because you have to read subtitles, America, really? <laughs> like, can you just like enjoy a Korean movie and read subtitles and enjoy it? Um... I don't know, like, I, I, lo- I like, uh, what's his face? Josh Rowland, but, Br- Rowland, 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 Rowland. Yeah, <laughs> Rowland. But, 
when I saw that he was the main guy for the remake, I I didn't get it. I think he's like too well put together all the time. And I feel like in the Korean version, that guy is messed up <laughs> from like the moment we lay eyes on him. He's he's a mess. See, I can't think of anybody who I would at least off the top of my head who I would cast as a main character. The only thing I could think of for somebody who could play any of the other characters, I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, I wouldn't have gone with you know Samuel L. Jackson as the uh, <laughs> prison warden or whatever. Um, I would oh, think yeah. when it comes to yeah. the the daughter, uh, my gut reaction would be Emma Watson. And it okay. seems like a maybe yeah. a weird choice, but what are the carry it? She's a better actor than uh, actress than she gets credit for, I think. Um, yeah. And there's also there's something about Mido that she's adorable. Like her submissive ass. She's I, so cute. I don't. It's not the, <laughs> not the submissive act kind of thing. It's, that's not it. Like I, I know a lot of people probably that's like a huge thing for them. That doesn't really do it for me. Just her in general. Like she is gorgeous. Yeah, she really is. She really is. She looks like a doll, which I feel like maybe that's why they really, like... Okay, it's hard, because I, I feel like most Korean actresses, they all look like dolls. They have, like, flawless <laughs> skin, flawless hair, beautiful eyes, like, beautiful everything. But, yeah, you're right. Like, she's really cute. Mm-hmm. And she's got, like, a childish kind of quality, but in a yeah. in a way that's not creepy. So, right. like, it's I knew like, very early on in this movie, I, I was like, well, this, this is definitely going to be the daughter. Like, yeah, you know, they're not mentioning anything with the daughter specifically, and he's right. going to end up fucking his daughter. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's going to happen. But at the same time, I was like, hey, good for you, guy. <laughs> like, <you're trying. laughs> it's a horrible thing to say, but, it, you know, I was just kind of like, hey, yeah. You, Mito practically says, uh, you know... I might say no, but just give it to me. And it's like, you fucking give it to her, Daisu. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Eddie? Did, did anybody that you think could play these characters from the American side of things? No, I have no <laughs> desire to. I don't like, I don't like, uh, you know, American versions of this or that. I haven't seen the original Vanilla Sky, but I, I mean, I like the American version, but. I suppose if I saw the original, I might not have liked it. Just, it's like the most ridiculous. Um, what was it? The girl with the dragon tattoo. Like, why the hell would you make a remake of that? You know, like, I don't see, get it. See, that's a movie I, I haven't know. seen either version of them. But no, well, watch the original. You don't have to watch. The yeah, original. I've heard that. You know, the American one sucks. Yeah. You don't have to watch the American. The originals are great. The trilogy is great. The original trilogy is great. Uh, so the casting side of things, um, that brings <laughs> us into music. Uh, I'm going to say I think the music here is 50-50. Uh, the very first scene throws me off. Um, but there were scenes where I, I dug the music. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's a cultural thing, I don't know. But um, that was a little odd for me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course, I don't have a clue what the Spike Lee version is, and I, I highly doubt that I like that version better. But my God, why? Is <laughs> anything like the music in um, what's it called? Uh, 
Oh, what's that one Spike Lee movie? The one that I, I hate, everybody loves. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. I hate, I hate that movie with passion. <laughs> Wait, is it the one? Is it the one with the pizza place? And yes. Pizza breaks in it? and Heat, New York Heat. I think it's so <laughs> overrated. Uh, that made yeah. me hate Spike Lee, and I haven't even watched like anything else that he's done. He's, no, no, it was a, it was alright. It was alright. The that only good thing about that movie is Giancarlo Esposito. Everything else is terrible. <laughs> but um, the music for Old Boy. What do you think about that, Eddie? Um, yeah, I think like I mentioned, there's a cultural difference. There's definitely a cultural difference. There's a, it's realized that it's not. I mean, you're you're working with uh, a culture that praises the West a lot more than you might imagine. But at the same time, there's a lot of tradition in it, you know, so like sometimes they, they kind of lose focus as to should you just maintain it, keep it simple, should you keep no music here, should you put music there? It's a, it's a completely different approach. Is it should you put something modern, should you put something more traditional, more instrumental? Uh, I felt like it was a little bit... There's nothing wrong with it, because I get it. I get that background. So I'm trying to get see more of of your point of view because mm. to me i'll just say it does its job yeah well that's that's kind of what i mean like it's not horribly offensive in any way or whatever it's just sometimes it's a little bit odd like mm-hmm. weird choices or something yeah your thoughts on that too uh caroline same kind of thing or yeah no i i mean i get it both sides i like the music didn't really throw me off when i first watched it just because, like, I feel it's kind of similar in some other horror movies I've seen. Like, s- some of them go from really creepy tunes to, like, K-pop. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gangnam is, Style, Little of Nowhere. Oh, yeah, all that glorious stuff. Um, so, and I feel like with Old Boy, there's also this sense of, like, this highly stylized universe where there is such thing as this jail that you just pay and then you can put somebody for so many years so it is like a different universe and maybe like they try to use the music to explore that as well i mean i i watched some like some korean like i said like it goes from like really creepy to <laughs> and i mean I'm <laughs> by the way my favorite uh impression that has happened on this episode so far easily that one <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Screw the Silence of the Lambs impressions. Go listen to this one. <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh, Koreans don't hate me. I love you all. <laughs> uh, so general discussion kind of things. Why did they have to kill the dog? Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I was upset about that. I was upset about the octopi. I mean, octopus in the movie, octopi in the production. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite scene is that octopus scene. Yeah, no, that, like, I get it. But to me, it was, like, it upset me. Like, I didn't want to believe it was a real octopus. And then my friend's like, no, you know, that's actually, like, we do that in Korea. We just, like slice it first i'm like oh what that doesn't make it like less horrible yeah that's but you just um, add extra insult to injury by stabbing <laughs> it before we eat it like slicing it like 
like really nicely before eating it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if the dog to me made a lot of sense, but I'm biased about dog deaths in movies. Like that just that shit just breaks me. Like I can watch humans dying all the time. Like do not show me like one of those SPA commercials. Like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna put me in a hell. Like I can't deal. But like the octopus scene, like. That to me was like like very visceral. Like it didn't. I guess it disturbed me a little bit, which is hard because like I don't feel like a lot of stuff disturbs me anymore. But that was like, oh my god, he's actually eating. He cannot. No, he's just pretend. No, he's actually eating it. Um, wow. But I don't dislike that scene. I just it was just hard for me to watch when I first watched the movie. You know, uh, speaking of animals in this, if the octopus scene's not my least favorite scene i would say it's probably the ant scene with the uh the train it's a random fake ant that really uh i watched this movie actually last night from when we were recording this podcast uh and i was tired when i started watching the movie i actually thought that i might be better off watching it earlier today but i ended up you know waking myself up and being able to watch it and when I got to the ant scene, I was like, wait, I gotta pause this for a minute, because I don't know if I fell asleep and something happened You're to me. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, like, if I find out that I missed ten minutes of this movie, and it explains this ant thing, I'm gonna be pissed if I finish this and I don't go back, and I had to, I rewatched it from the entire beginning, starting at that scene, and then I was just no. like, nope, I didn't miss anything, there's a fucking ant, okay. <laughs> so that threw me off, that was odd. Uh, but him like fucking his daughter that was like fine <laughs> oh no because Mito's adorable so yeah by that point I was you know rooting for the guy <laughs> and now the FBI investigation turns yeah, to me yeah I was just gonna and I'm the weird one and I'm the creepy one and FBI is on my ass well get ready sir get ready uh Two other notes that I had written down, uh, then I'll pass this over to you guys to throw some things out there. No, um, number one out of those two, I really wanted fried dumplings <laughs> after oh, watching this. Right? They looked so good. <laughs> and really? he's obviously, he doesn't want to eat them anymore, and I'm just like, well, it's going to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, they really looked really, really good. And I was like, well, and then I was, I was trying to to think like wow if i was like if i had to eat fried dumplings for the rest of my life would i be okay with it probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's like the only problem that i have with like movies like this or even italian movies like they always have really good looking food and oh i i wish i could eat it <laughs> I'm rewatching the end scene right now, and I'm just like trying to imagine your face while watching this. For what scene? The, oh, the ant scene. Yeah. The ant scene. Well, picture a guy who hasn't shaved in like three, four days. <laughs> hair is all messed up. Half of like eyes all tired, and then just being like, "Huh?" <laughs> like, I imagine. Like, I was, I'm thrown out of it already because I had downloaded. Yeah, I'm gonna just say it. I'm, I downloaded. I didn't buy it. Uh, a version of this where somebody had a backup track of an English dub, and I listened to about 30 seconds of it and knew that I couldn't do it. So, because uh, oh. the acting was so terrible. Was, oh man, I gotta take a piss though. Like, uh, 
Oh, uh, that's magical. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the main character is voiced by Keanu Reeves or something. No. Uh, <laughs> which yeah. probably could be awesome now that I'm thinking that's, about it. Yeah. That, I would love to watch that movie. There you go. Keanu Reeves could have played the main character in this. <laughs> Somebody make that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so that threw me off. And then I'm reading the subtitles. And then I was just an ant. And then, like. Uh, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching here? <laughs> I'm more confused about this than I am Memento. Uh, one scene. It only took one scene. <laughs> the other note that I had written down, which is actually my favorite scene of the whole film, the horizontal fight. Yes! That was awesome. That was so stylishly done uh, and just killer. I, I love that. I, I got to submit that to some other people to check out that are like movie buffs and stuff and just be like you know if if you're not gonna watch this whole movie okay but at least watch this scene, yeah, watch this it's, scene. it's a highlight for sure for me um yeah like i feel like that whole sequence like even preceding that fight was pretty cool i what, like the, just... the torture with the um yeah <laughs> yeah but it's just like it's just so pretty and it's just like it. I could almost smell like how gross everybody probably smelled on that. Scene. Especially that fat just, guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what about you? Any um scenes that stood out to you? Yeah, for once I'm gonna take the take the spot for this kind of stuff. The part where he cuts off his own tongue Oof. was particularly paramount. I don't know why. It was like the triumph of his of his failure, and uh, the dude's Queen Jung Ta, whatever his name is, of his triumph <laughs> and his revenge. You know, that's where it's revealed. Like, oh, it makes sense now. It's his daughter, and the guy's like, no, please don't tell her. Don't tell her. I'll do anything. Like, cuts off his own tongue. I'm like, dude, like, I, I don't know if I cut off my own tongue out of desperation just to prove a point to someone so please god don't but yeah <laughs> i made probably sense that's when i bought it like i'll just tell her that you lied i bought it <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna believe me more than you <laughs> well i'm sure he's got like backup like uh blood samples or whatever. yeah that's true he went through oh, all this effort these guys are <laughs> that, that guy's a mastermind um i don't know yeah, I think that particular scene, for some reason, was kind of... It, it was the one that made me feel something. Like, oh, shit. You know, like, made me feel sorry for everyone, but also made me feel like, well, fuck all you people. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Caroline? Any standout scenes? Well, I feel like... I'm trying to think. like It's hard for me to like single out one scene. I, and it's just, it's a weird feeling. Like, I don't like the octopus scene. <laughs> but it's that one scene that made me feel disturbed. And that's it a lot, okay? Like, I, you know me. Like, I, I want some not-so-great shit everywhere. But that scene to me was pretty cool. And I explained before why. Like, I, this guy was it was, to me, it felt like he went from being buried alive to, like, trying to 
feel alive again. And the only way he could feel alive was that if he ate something, that it was still alive. <clears throat> so I like that scene. I kind of also like the whole um, flashback uh, with the villain and his sister. <laughs> <laughs> of course so you make that scene. So furby, but I thought it was cool because it was the whole entire time they're not going there. No, oh yeah, that's a boob. Oh, they're going there. Oh yeah. So I like I I don't condone incest, but I liked it in that movie. Um, the fight scene was awesome. Um, in a weird way, even him fucking his own daughter was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad my parents are not going to listen to this. Um, yes, take the heat off of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, I'll, I'll carry a little bit of weight. Here, Here's the thing. There's something about forbiddenness that makes something hot. <laughs> like, you will, ne- you will never in your life do it. The, the hint of it is kind of hot. You know what I mean? I just like weird shit. It's <laughs> There awesome. you go. I'm not. You're, you're, you're probably not gonna do weird shit, but to well. fantasize, to toy with it, you know, mentally in a way, is kind of hot. Just basic human psychology, like whatever's like, forbidden wonder, is hot. It's, it's something I, you want. I wonder if the remake was really like a scene by scene. If if they actually went that far or, you know, or if they kind of like try to mask it because this type of like weird shit you see in some Asian movies, but it's still like a big taboo here in America. Like we get like snippets of like some indie movies, like doing some like disturbing stuff, but it's more like it's, it's more like visually like full on disgusting than the actual like morality of it. So like that was like the only thing that kind of wanted me to watch the remake, but not like too much to actually watch the remake. But I could yeah. see the American version being a lot tamer. Uh, yeah, you, right. You know, like there's there's an element of like torture almost to that sex scene, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's talking about how it, it's painful and all that. I it's don't think painful. that any of that would end up being the American one. The American one's probably all like sensual music and uh, Emily oh, like, Olsen's probably. Was that? What? What did you say? I, I, I didn't hear you. More like romantic yeah. than actually feeling like, oh my god, this is so wrong. Like, oh, this is not good. It, and it's more like, oh, these two beautiful souls are making love. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> and then it's probably over the top as hell. It cuts to Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson. What yeah. the hell are we watching and shit like you know? <laughs> but uh, that's uh, I, I kind of want to check out the movie now just to see the comparison. But um, from everything that I've been reading online, everything just says that it's awful and that uh, yeah. that it's just as much of a departure from this as this was from the original manga that it was based off of which i don't know right. anything about that from neither but Apparently, uh, yeah me neither i actually didn't even know it was a manga until yesterday when i started reading about it and it's japanese too um so i'm sure that also uh, brings that other changes um to the korean film 
Hmm. So let's round this out here. Uh, final thoughts, 0 to 10 score. Eddie, you're up first. Well, considering this isn't, a, this isn't your Hollywood-produced kind of thing, it's a foreign film, I, I'd give it an 8 because I think it's really well-produced. Um, and it's got elements of action. It's got elements of, you know, I dare say in the beginning, it's almost romantic comedy, especially when she, you know, she gives him the medicine. Yeah, the suppository. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of comical. So, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It's a, it's a complete movie, if you will. So, um, yeah, um, the end. <laughs> no, props, props to props to the directors. I wish I could look up the proper names and all. <laughs> Caroline, what's your score? Um, I'll give it a nine, just because it did disturb me a little bit. It was really fun to watch. Um, just a cool ass movie that, like, I felt like even though I kept hearing crazy things about it and I had this like build up idea of what it would be when I watched it I didn't feel like I was cheated I still enjoyed myself and that was great not the most disturbing Korean movie I've seen but pretty cool nonetheless pretty pretty cool so I'm gonna go with a 7 out of 10 uh on par with misery for me um all these movies solid movies uh Good picks, Caroline. Yay! Thank you! <laughs> uh, much better than some of the ones that we had for the Christmas one, if you guys listen back to that one. <laughs> oh, God. That, like, was so torture for me to listen to, because I just hate <laughs> Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, so we're going to totally get you on board with the, one of the romantic comedy ones that we do oh, in the future. It's just going to be me complaining the whole entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> Leave us a comment below if you want Caroline to be forced to do those movies. No. As punishment for her FBI investigation. Oh, that's that's one of my hells. That's just <laughs> not fun. That's like hell number five. Okay, so it's like pretty <laughs> up there. So let's not do that. That's not nice. Uh, that'll round us out though for these four different thriller movies four thrillers from different sides of things instead of just going with the same type of uh, movie so um, uh, there's something for everybody here I think for the most part and if there isn't something for you then yeah, we got another four role movie club coming up next month where we're going to be doing the Oscar picks or at least a couple of them because we can't do ten uh, so we'll see what's going on with that. But before we wrap this podcast up, we have one more thing that we got to do. And that is the plug side of things. Promote anything that's going on in your worlds right now. Caroline, we're going to start with you for this one. Uh, what do you want to have people out there check out? Cool. Well, I want people to keep checking out our website, Finboys Anonymous, and all the cool articles that are up there. Uh, I'm trying to find something disturbing to write about. I haven't been that good lately about it, so I just need to find something really gross to write about. Um, but it's coming out soon. Uh, and check out my website, czoeffects.com. Um, and FBI, if you're listening, don't check out my history. Um, <laughs> search engines and that's all eddie um yeah i'm trying to get like a band or two working and i'm looking for a job the end (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to pat myself on the back for something that I thought that I was going to be unable to uh, to go the whole time doing, but I'll mention it now. Um, I did go all of the old boy section without making a joke that young boy is better. That, you know what? <laughs> that deserves something. Yeah, that easy pun. Uh, it could have made 10 minutes worth of this podcast, but... <laughs> Uh, if you like listening to stupid ass puns like that, then you gotta listen to some more podcasts that are coming from all the other side of a mango tree. We've got on the wrestling side of things, Smart Out Moment, Smack Talk, uh, the Mega Powers Radio, Monday Night Raw Post Show. We've got all the other podcasts from Fanboys Anonymous, which there's a list on the website. Go ahead and check them out. And in general, if you want to follow anything else under a mango tree, you can follow the Facebook and Twitter accounts for Tony Mango and a mango tree. Spelled out, uh, T-O-E-N-I-M-A-N-G-O, obviously a little pun there, uh, and a mango tree. Put on my name. I can't help myself, guys. I'm sick. Uh, but, uh, stay tuned to the next podcast that we have coming your way. I'm not 100% sure what that is, but you will see it on fanboysanonymous.com, on the Twitter, the Facebook, and YouTube, and iTunes, and Stitcher, all over the place we are. Uh, and stay tuned to the next Four Real Movie Club, which is going to be coming in, I think, uh, what was it, the 20-something or other on February. We're most likely going to be doing that edition live, and we're also going to be running down a full review of the Oscars pod, uh, the podcast. They will do podcasts for the Oscars. Uh, in the future, they will, I'm sure. But uh, the full ceremony for the Academy Awards, we're going to do a review point of that. And another group meeting as well, most likely. So if you have any suggestions for any podcast you'd like to see in the future, leave a comment below or leave a comment on fanboysanonymous.com. Thank you to Eddie and thank you to Caroline for doing this. For all the other fanboys and fangirls that couldn't be here this evening, I'm Tony Mango. This has been another edition of the Four Real Movie Club. Keep watching movies, everybody, and keep listening. At no point... In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? I'm too old for this. Good day, sir! You stay classy, San Diego. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need Rose. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm finished. That'll help you. That'll go. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey, everybody! We're all gonna get late! You're still here? It's over. Go home.